0: You're listening to Televisionary, the podcast about the shows that shaped us. In this episode, we take you through the history, key moments, and lasting impact of American Idol, with a few detours along the way.
1: He's not Dr. Pepper himself.
0: Trolling can happen anywhere at any time now. Nothing against Luke
1: Bryan fans, but why?
0: Sanjaya.
1: Me, 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 me. Chester cheetah chewed a chunk of cheap cheddar cheese.
0: Mama made me mash my (laughs) M&M's.
1: One, five, four, three, two, one. (laughs) Hello. Hello.
0: Welcome. And welcome to to Televisionary. televisionary.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was a good opening. Hi, I'm Cody Hoffman.
0: And I'm Elena Hillard.
1: And this is Televisionary, the podcast where we discuss the shows that shaped us.
0: That is what this is.
1: (laughs) In case you were wondering what you clicked on. Elena, what are we talking about today?
0: We are going to be talking about a TV show from the past 20 years. That narrows it down. But we are going to be talking about American Idol today. One of the first big singing competition shows. If not the first big singing competition show.
1: Yeah, I would call it the first. That might be up for debate, but I I feel like it has earned that title. I think so. Uh, can I just say that whenever you said American Idol, I instantly wanted to start humming the theme music for American Idol. I don't know why I got the urge to do that, but then I was like, I don't know if we would have to pay for that.
0: Well, I think I don't we... know if
1: humming counts.
0: I don't know if humming counts either. Do you want to hum just like a couple seconds of it?
1: Well, no, I'm not going to, just to be safe.
0: Oh, okay. But
1: we should look into that. And if we can, then I'm going to start humming the theme song of every show that we talk about.
0: I would love that.
1: Yeah, for every episode. So (laughs) just wait till our next episode and you will find out if humming is allowed for free on a podcast exciting stuff
0: (laughs) yes did you watch all of American Idol
1: I did not watch all of it I watched I believe the first nine seasons and then I think I stopped before season 10 and I converted to the voice at that point for just a couple of seasons I no longer watch either of them but I was just kind of getting bored with American Idol at that point because they had had Like they were going through their cute white boys with guitars phases for the Uh, winners. Like there was a quite a stretch there where like it was just these forgettable guys that were kind of all the same who kept winning. And I lost interest a little bit during that point. So I but I religiously watched the first, I would say, nine seasons, probably. What about you?
0: I feel like I'm like an American Idol late bloomer to a certain extent. Like, I mean, I, I just, I don't know why, but I never watched like the first few seasons. I didn't see Kelly Clarkson's season or Carrie Underwood's, but I know that I watched a few seasons in the middle there. Like I remember, I was going to say Dane Cook. David Cook?
1: David Cook, yes. Yes.
0: And uh, a couple other contestants. Like, I remember watching Sinjaya's season. But then I stopped. I more than anything watched YouTube recaps from the What the Buck show. Okay. Because they were really funny and entertaining. So, like, I wouldn't even necessarily watch the show. I would watch the recaps after I stopped watching on TV. Yeah, I don't know. It never really resonated with me all that much. And Mm -hmm. I, I, like you, did watch some of The Voice, but also quickly lost interest in that.
1: Yeah, I don't think we need to spend time comparing American Idol or The Voice, but I don't envision us doing an episode about The Voice anytime soon. I guess I'll just say that.
0: Yeah, I don't really think so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's delve into the history of American Idol as we are wont to do at the beginning of all of our episodes. So I feel like most people probably know this, but American Idol was based on a format that originated in the UK that was called Pop Idol. That show debuted in 2001 and American Idol launched in 2002, June 11th, 2002, to be exact.
0: The day before my birthday.
1: A day before your 10th birthday, Woo-hoo. I just gave away your age sorry it's okay uh, we're the same age so I just gave away mine too I mean not exactly the same age I am two weeks older than you
0: we're twins
1: almost we look like it <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, Pop Idol only ran for three seasons in the UK because Simon Cowell, who was one of the originators of that show, then left to launch The X Factor in 2004. But the Idol franchise went on to spawn 46 versions worldwide, which is crazy to think about.
0: Yeah, that's a lot.
1: I don't know of, like, I mean, I'm obviously not super well versed in other countries' versions of (laughs) popular programming, (laughs) but I'm not aware of any other shows that spawned that many different international
0: versions. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, I know Top Model, there's other countries, I think, Top Mm -hmm. Chef, but I don't think anything to that extent.
1: Yeah, like, I Got Talent I think has a lot. There are several countries with The Voice as well, but, yeah, way to go. Idol, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I there is something that I wanted to bring up here that as I was thinking about the show, I realized that it premiered when I was 10 years old, and I can distinctly remember watching American Idol by myself. This really has nothing to do with the impact of the show or the purpose of this podcast. I just wanted to bring it up. <laughs> but anyway, I distinctly remember watching it by myself on the television in my bedroom when I was 10 years old, which means that I had like cable television in my room when I was 10. And I am sure that I had it for a couple of years before that. And looking back on that, that, that it just seems so young to me to have like unmonitored television access in my bedroom. And I was just curious, how old were you when you first got cable in your room? And how young do you think is too young to have full access to whatever television you wanted to watch?
0: See, that's such a, that's such a good question. And it's so, so like, I I think I was about the same. I know that I had a TV in my room probably when I was like eight or nine, probably nine, because I got a Nintendo 64 and I remember playing it in my room. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that question is so much harder to answer like now because kids have such access to like cell phones, YouTube, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Like I see kids every single day at my job who are on their parents' phones, like watching TV while they shop. So I don't know. I mean, I, ca- I don't feel like I was negatively impacted by having a TV in my room at that young age. Mm-hmm. But something about, like, having it with you in the car or at the store or, like, literally 24-7, that kind of access seems, like, way too much for me. Like, for an 8, even an 8 or 10-year-old today to just, like, have a cell phone that they can watch stuff on all the time, that feels like that could have a much stronger impact than just, like, a stationary cable TV.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like, I mean... Looking back, I don't think that I was watching anything that I shouldn't have been watching. You know, I was sticking mostly to Nickelodeon and Disney Channel, (laughs) you know, at 10 years old. But just the fact that I could have been watching SVU or CSI or ER or these shows, all these initial shows that (laughs) (laughs) that I was definitely too young to be watching, but that I could have watched if I you know had a mind to that just seems like bizarre to me but then I think about today and if you don't have proper parental control set up on your Netflix you can have a five-year-old watching Bridgerton (laughs) that seems crazy to me maybe I'm just an old coot who (laughs) needs to get with the times and realize that that's the way today's world is but I I don't know it it will be interesting to me to see what the impact of kids having access to so much different media at what I assume is a little bit younger age than most generations before them.
0: Yeah. Huh.
1: Technology, man.
0: <laughs> we say as we record a podcast.
1: <laughs> Are we part of the problem? No, this is a family podcast, kind of. I don't know who would listen to this with their children, but. Anyway, if you do, thanks.
0: Yeah, hi, kids.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine if we had kids? I was just thinking about this <laughs> earlier. Like, what if we, like you and I, not together, but yeah, like yeah. just knowing the two of us, like having to decide what to let our kids watch?
0: Oh my or not. god! I know.
1: I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I would, I would be a good dad, but like, I don't know what to let my kid watch and what not to let them watch i mean
0: it's like when you you and i watched precious
1: oh yeah and
0: my parents overheard all the language in it
1: <laughs> oh my oh well. i'd forgotten about that but yeah that yes. was uncomfortable oh yeah <laughs> um i This is a bunny trail that I did not expect us to go down, but I feel like I just have to share this story. Okay, so I was watching The Facts of Life when I was probably eight years old, and I couldn't stop laughing about something, a particular line that I heard on the show. And my mom asked me what I was laughing about, and I... Said one of the characters said that she was going to get a visit from the boob fairy. And like it was a character <laughs> talking about stuffing her shirt. And as soon as my mom heard that, she was like, You're not allowed to watch that show anymore.
0: Oh I like, my what? God. Why not?
1: <laughs> she just had such a strong overreaction to the fact that I had been exposed to the boob fairy.
0: Well, wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyway. I-
0: Back to American Idol.
1: This is not an episode about the facts of life. It is about American Idol. So thanks for sticking with us through that. And I hope you got some enjoyment out of it. And now let's actually talk about American Idol. Okay. So we have some touch points from throughout the show's run that we want to discuss certain things about. Starting with season one, I think probably the show's most notable winner. That might be up for debate. But Kelly Clarkson won the first season of the show. I think it was so interesting that Kelly won and then just happened to end up becoming a superstar. I know. Because if the right person had not won, I don't know if the show would have become what it did. Like, the show is based on the premise that it will create a superstar, and there was no guarantee that it would, but they just happened to find Someone who I believe would have been a superstar regardless. Like, I don't think Kelly Clarkson needed to win American Idol to become a superstar, but that was just the channel that it happened for her through, right?
0: I think that that's fair.
1: I mean, I love Kelly Clarkson Me so much. So maybe I'm biased, <laughs> but yeah, I think like it just worked so well in the show's favor to actually happen upon mm. someone who had the appeal and the talent to create this massively successful career.
0: I mean, she's just like mega talented plus all-American looking girl. Like it just was like magic that mm-hmm. and she's gone on like still like hit after hit after hit. It's yes. it's unreal.
1: Yeah. Like I don't think that Kelly Clarkson needed American Idol as I said to become a multi-platinum Grammy winning now Emmy winning talk show host too. <laughs> let's yeah. not forget about that but i think the show needed her
0: i agree i mean the runner-up whose name eludes me i think it's written down here
1: justin guarini how dare you forget he's in those dr pepper commercials
0: like today or yeah old... what?
1: You don't, have you seen the dr pepper commercials with the guy who's like <laughs> the dr pepper guy I don't know. No. He's not Dr. Pepper himself, but like there's a guy who like sings on the Dr. Pepper commercials and that's Justin Guarini.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, I did not know that. Has he done anything else?
1: I think he was on like Access Hollywood or one of those shows as a host for a while.
0: Interesting. But I don't
1: think he's really done anything musically. I, I mean, he might have released an album. I think he did release an album right after the show. And let's not forget From Justin to Kelly. Of course. Yeah. How could we Cine- look over that? Cinematic gold. Yes. But yeah, like if Justin Guarini had won, would we be sitting here talking about American Idol today? I have my doubts.
0: I, I kind of do too. And it's interesting too, just to to note that Kelly Clarkson was a woman that won. Obviously the other big one from American Idol, Carrie Underwood, both women. And then the show goes on to just have white male winners season after season. <laughs> It's just sort of, like, ironic to me that the most successful people are the people that that really the show, I don't know, doesn't always favor.
1: Yeah, that's kind of true. Like, I don't know if there's an official ranking of the most successful alums of the show, but, I mean, Kelly and Carrie are clearly at the top. And then you've got, like... Chris Daughtry, maybe? Adam Lambert? Jennifer Hudson? But anyway, Kelly Clarkson, let's go back to her. Her coronation single, if you will, A Moment Like This, reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100, which was an indication that the show actually could produce stars that had an effect on the music industry. Like, it was not just going to be this isolated thing, it was really producing commercial returns in a way that was not guaranteed, but that was really sustained throughout the first several seasons because a lot of the other winners ended up going to number one with their first single as well and, you know, producing number one albums, all that stuff.
0: Also in season one, we have something that sort of becomes a theme for the show, I think, which is the first openly gay contestant of American Idol is basically told to completely hide that part of his life because the show feared that if he was openly gay he would somehow have an advantage
1: well see that's what i'm unclear on Uh, the source that i found his name is jim vararos by the way i don't remember where he placed but it wasn't like he wasn't in the top half of the top 10 but the source that i found says his sexual orientation was revealed on his blog before the show, but it was removed during the competition after a request from the show's producers over concerns that it might be unfairly influencing votes. So I don't know if that means the producers thought that it was going to un- fairly influence him by making people not want to vote for him because he was gay or if they thought it would be unfair because he would get all of the gay votes.
0: (laughs) See the way that I read it from whatever source that I saw this in which I can't remember now I don't know why I'm talking so halted but I think that I saw it stated that they were afraid that it would be an unfair advantage, that they thought that he would garner support from the gay community that would give him an unfair advantage. But that could be wrong. I could be misremembering. But I feel pretty certain that that was what I read. And I thought that that was a really strange theory because at this point in America, what, 2002, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, gay marriage was still a hotly debated issue. Like, it was definitely not the world that exists today. And I think it could have easily been a disadvantage for him. Mm -hmm. And also, like, something about this and, like, other parts about the show, it's so weirdly conservative Mm -hmm. in a way. I don't know if you have that feeling.
1: I definitely share that feeling. I was thinking about some of the other contestants who were I I don't want to say necessarily forced to cover things up about themselves or to try to hide things about themselves but a couple of the other contestants who happened to be gay and did not reveal that or were encouraged to kind of shy away from it on the show such as Clay Aiken or Adam Lambert you know it seems like the show was really trying to present everyone as being this squeaky clean boy next door or girl next door who never did a drug or said a curse word in their lives, and that's just not how humans are. <laughs> you know, you, like you can try to scrub people up so they will, you know, fit nicely on your family show, but at a certain point, you're erasing people's pasts and identities in a way that is not cool. I think also of Fantasia, who ended up winning season three, and all throughout the show, they never referenced the fact that she had a daughter. She, you know, Fantasia had a baby when she was 17, and you never knew that, you know, officially until you saw her holding her daughter on finale night after she had won.
0: It's so, it's so sad, honestly.
1: Another contestant from season two, Frenchie Davis, who was considered a frontrunner, was removed from the competition after producers discovered that she had modeled for an adult website and they found topless photos of her, which, I mean yeah, no one wants that kind of thing to get out if you're trying to promote yourself on a mainstream music competition and, you know, establish a career in the industry. But also, is it fair to remove her from the competition for that? I don't think so.
0: It seems so wild to me. And it makes me wonder if that would happen today, like if she would still be removed from the show today, because I feel like After all of, like, the leaked celebrity nudes and sexting and, like, everything that's, like, happened since 2002, like, to remove someone for, like, topless photos, I don't know that it would happen. I mean, maybe. The show is still weird and (laughs) strangely conservative even today. But I don't know. It seems so weird to me that... I mean, I guess... I guess not. I guess that stuff still happens, but... I
1: mean, I feel like it's... It is really a different world than when this kind of stuff was happening. I mean, I think of like Miley Cyrus, who was naked a lot of the time, and she was a coach on The Voice. Yeah. You know, like, I think of all of the raunchy things that Nicki Minaj has done, and she was a judge for a season on American Idol. You know, the show is not quite what it used to be. But it, I don't know what they would do with contestants in that kind of situation today. It's hard to tell.
0: It's just crazy.
1: Another thing that stirred up controversy at the time was that Clay Aiken lost to Ruben Stutter by a reported 134,000 votes, I believe it was. Okay. For the season two crown. And afterward, one of the producers noted that Clay Aiken had won the voting in every single week leading up to the finale. And there was a suggestion that perhaps the votes were manipulated so that they didn't have a winner who might be gay. Now, let's note that Clay Aiken did not officially come out as gay until, I believe it was 2008, so years after the show. And he maintained that he was not gay throughout the show and for years afterward. But if there were things... Known about him by the producers, which is possible, but I'm not alleging anything, of course, <laughs> because I don't want to be sued. But is that something the show would have done? Lied about who got the most votes so that they didn't have a gay winner? It seems like it's possible, at least, just judging judging by what other things they had done.
0: It's definitely possible based on their treatment of other LGBT Q contestants. I was just double checking the vote for the worst. I know we haven't talked about it yet, but I can't remember what season that, that it started.
1: I do not remember that either. I know the most famous recipient of the vote for the worst was. Senjaya in season six.
0: I don't think it started until season three. So I was going to suggest that maybe that had something to do with it, but I don't Mm -hmm. think that it does.
1: I mean, I'm not knocking Ruben Stetter's talent. Like, he was a very talented guy who, you know, by all accounts, deserved to win, but did he actually beat Clay Aiken? I mean, Clay Aiken outsold him handily after their albums came out. You know, like, Clay Aiken did have a brief but very successful career for a short period. And Ruben had some success too, but not to the level that Clay did. Right. The world will never know, probably. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) All right, let's move on to one of everyone, well, I don't know if it's everyone's favorite alum of the show, but certainly one who made an impact, William Hung.
0: Ah, yes, yes.
1: Season three is really when they started to focus more on the terrible auditions in the early <laughs> episodes. And the most famous terrible audition of all, of course, was William Hung, who ended up getting a record deal out of it, <laughs> out of yep. being a terrible singer. I don't know. I never really liked the bad auditions. I was not the kind of person who enjoyed watching people being made fun of. And that just seemed Kind of cruel to me. What was your opinion?
0: I kind of feel the same way. I mean, it is obviously entertaining. There is a lot of science out there surrounding like comparison and specifically negative comparison, looking down on someone actually does make you feel better about yourself. So, like, there is a reason why it was included and why people liked it. It's been studied, but it's just another way for me in which the show feels really conservative, dated, like, old school, kind of like the America of yesterday. Like, I think focusing on these negative auditions, like, it feels really... Bad to me. And it feels like something that wouldn't happen today. And in a way, like not to talk about the voice too much, but like I feel like the voice is kind of an anti American idol in a sense, in that it really does its supposedly does its best to not show any bias and only showcase like talented people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, yeah, sometimes they're fun to watch. I never really enjoyed it. I think that I usually skipped the audition episodes and kind of started with like the Hollywood part of the show because I just never found it quite as entertaining but I understand why they were included if that makes sense
1: yeah I mean at the end of the day they were making a television show that they wanted people to watch the goal of the show is to get people to watch it not to actually make a superstar I think it's important to keep that in mind that from the network's perspective from the producer's perspective they want to turn ratings they don't want to turn record sales I mean, the record sales are nice because it proves the legitimacy of the show. And like we've already mentioned, if they hadn't had people who turned record sales then the show wouldn't have mattered, that we wouldn't be talking about it. Right. But at the end of the day, the thing that you care about if you're a network executive is how many people are watching my show. And if you get more people watching your show because they enjoy making fun of these people who don't realize they aren't talented or these people who are looking for, you know, a brief minute in the spotlight at any expense then why wouldn't you extend that as long as possible why wouldn't you show as much of that as you could
0: it's kind of gross
1: yeah i agree i don't like it
0: season three also had jennifer hudson right
1: it did yes and um, she was considered a front runner until she was eliminated after rolling blackouts in her hometown of chicago and then she went home the next night because no one could get the phone number off the show to vote for her I mean, that's not, let's not say that that is the reason that she was eliminated, but it almost definitely had something to do with it.
0: Yeah. And it's not the only time that like geography played a part in winners or losers of the show. Like, I think there have been winners before that kind of only won because of their home state really rallying behind them. So it really sucks that that didn't happen for her, Mm -hmm. even though she went on to have a pretty solid career otherwise.
1: Speaking of that, Chris Allen, who won season eight, one of the anonymous white guys, he (laughs) defeated Adam Lambert, who was seen as the clear winner of that season all throughout. And that's attributed mostly to a strongly organized vote campaign throughout the entire state of Arkansas, because that's where he's from. And there were, you know, coordinated efforts to get Chris to win. Again, this is... Unproven, but is it possible that that vote was tampered with so that Adam Lambert, a gay contestant, did not win? N- no one knows, and I am not officially alleging that.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is all some, just... It is,
1: it is not libel. <laughs> it, well, I'm not printing anything. It's not slander, but it—it it is something to keep in mind. His sexuality was not addressed on the show, but photos of him kissing another man surfaced during the competition. Was letting Chris Allen win the show's way of steering clear of any possible controversy? Maybe. But I feel like by that point, there would not have been controversy with having a gay contestant, especially one as talented, you know, beyond belief as Adam Lambert is.
0: Yeah. And Adam Lambert, too. I feel like there's something about his appearance and sexuality that's like maybe more palatable to like even more conservative americans like mm-hmm. I-, I don't know like he's just sort of like one of those just attractive people regardless of what his sexuality is uh, honestly i'm saying all this and i'm like i can't even really remember what he looks like but i i just think like everything about him talent looks personality like it would have been surprising to me if like a- there was any sort of backlash to him being gay but i mean who knows yeah moving right along
1: <laughs> carrie underwood won season four she is now considered to be the most successful winner i guess but in terms of record sales but i feel like carrie is another example of if they didn't have another huge superstar after kelly the show probably would not have lasted as long as it has right?
0: I agree. Yeah, definitely. She also kind of sets up the weird connection between like country music and American Idol, Mm -hmm. where I feel like country music sometimes like absorbs contestants from the show to like varying degrees of success.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something that's still continuing today. I think of any genre, country has had the most American Idol contestants have some degree of success you think of kelly pickler gabby barrett as a recent one had who just had a hit with i hope and you know there have been others like why can't i think (laughs) of any there have been others
0: i know there's more Uh,
1: just take our word for it you want to talk sanjaya
0: sanjaya yes (laughs) (laughs) so this is really fascinating to me because this is this is where the Vote for the Worst campaign really took off. It had been going on for seasons, but with Sinjaya's presence on the show, it became very obvious that there was a kind of a vote for the worst thing going on. Not that he wasn't talented at all, but he made it way further in the competition than he probably should have.
1: Yes, I would agree with that. I was never a Jaya myself, but I... I remember, like, the crying girl. Do you remember the crying girl? I do you
0: remember the crying <laughs> girl.
1: So clearly he had some actual fans, but probably not enough to actually justify making it as far as he did.
0: Yeah, and he became, like, kind of known for his, like, hair and wild antics. I wonder if he was a contestant today, if he could have been, like, some sort of, like disney channel kind of artist considering his fan base did seem to be like young girls i feel like (laughs) there could have been like an audience out there for him maybe i don't know but i had a question that i specifically wanted to bring up about vote for the worst and i'm just gonna read it to you okay so do you think that vote for the worst campaigns would have been a big deal or as big of a thing if the show itself wasn't set up to be kind of mocking or negative. Uh, I'm trying to draw a connection here between the bad auditions and then the vote for the worst. Like, did audiences feel like this was okay behavior and like a good way to participate because the show itself was just sort of this environment that kind of celebrated bad contestants?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that does kind of make sense because I'm not aware of any other talent show on TV having a vote for the worst campaign and also no other shows were as kind of mean as American Idol was at times through the audition process and through Simon Cowell saying horrible things to people all the time that I feel like it the show did kind of establish itself so that people felt comfortable like just kind of screwing with things like you look at William Hung who had you know, a short-lived career making terrible music, and he ended up selling more records than some of the incredibly talented people on the show, and it was all kind of a joke. So I think that there was a group of people who were like, yeah, this entire show is a joke, and let's Show them how big of a joke it is by making someone who is a joke into a contender.
0: Yeah, I think that that's fair. It's like kind of like a precursor to like trolling, Mm -hmm. you know, like people were trolling the show by doing this. Maybe it's also just a response to like the kind of squeaky clean image that the show tries to put out there too. Like they really try to like make it this like all American, nobody's gay, everybody's straight, white and happy. And so like by voting for the worst, you kind of take control of that a little bit and you kind of respond to the show presenting itself so perfectly and you, you fuck with it a little bit, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of what you were saying, but I just think it's fascinating because like all of this sort of happened in online forums and like chat communities. There was a website eventually, but it's such a, an interesting way that fans really became, or I don't even know if you can call them fans, but people became really invested in the show and actually made like quite a significant impact. I think there were five or six winners of the show that were vote for the worst supported Really? Yeah, hold on. Let me let me look it up. Carrie Underwood. How? Taylor Hicks.
1: Uh, I mean, that one kind of makes sense.
0: Blake Lewis was a runner-up.
1: Yeah, he lost to Jordan Sparks.
0: David Archuleta. Oh,
1: he lost to David Cook.
0: Chris Allen.
1: He won over Adam Lambert.
0: Lee DeWise.
1: He also won over Crystal Sox, who was robbed!
0: Scott McCreary.
1: I didn't think Scotty McCreary was bad, but he was like, I feel like Scotty McCreary was just a victim of being too talented for his own good at his age. Like he was 16 and had this crazy deep bass voice that just sounded sort of ridiculous (laughs) for a 16 year old, but he had a good voice and he's gone on to have a legitimately successful career in country music.
0: Philip Phillips.
1: Philip Phillips. He, he was one of, yes, the, the white guys that won the show.
0: And then another runner-up, Cree Harrison.
1: Okay, she, I believe, was season 12, which I did not watch, but another country contestant.
0: But yeah, those are all of the ones that they helped.
1: Okay, how was Carrie Underwood vote for the worst? Bo Bice was second place.
0: I have no idea, but- Was
1: Bo Bice not worse than Carrie Underwood? Give me a break.
0: They also so, they, they also voted for Jennifer Hudson as a vote for the worst.
1: Um, okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they picked these people.
1: I think that they don't deserve any more of my time.
0: <laughs> I agree.
1: It is an interesting phenomenon to think of that happening on the show and the fact that it hasn't really translated to other shows. I mean, there are people who will troll everything for all of eternity just for the sake of it, but- Maybe they just lost interest after American Idol stopped being so popular.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think like the world just changed too. As you said, like trolling can happen anywhere at any time. Now you don't need like an online forum to do it.
1: Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Well, one other fun thing that I just wanted to mention that has no real impact, but something that I had forgotten about and relearned when I was researching. Remember when Ellen DeGeneres was a judge for season nine of American Idol?
0: I don't remember that at all.
1: There's no real significance to this, but I had just totally forgotten about it and thought it would be funny to mention how weird it is.
0: It is very weird.
1: Yeah. Okay. On <laughs> to the next thing. So, American Idol was a huge cultural phenomenon, of course. It was the number one show in America for an unprecedented eight consecutive seasons wow. from 2003, 2004, which was the third season of the show, through 2010, 2011. Which would have been the, let me do the math, the 10th season. Like, that's crazy. It is. And yet somehow, a few years after that, after season 15, Fox decides, yeah, we're going to cancel it. (laughs) Which seems even crazier. Because the show is still, I mean, it's nowhere near where it was at its peak. But the show is still doing fine by modern ratings standards. Which, you know, all broadcast ratings these days are in the toilet so the show was on its way down and still had years of life left in it which is evidenced by the fact that it's been rebooted right but i just don't understand why fox thought it was a good idea to cancel it because it was still one of its number one shows and it's the show that effectively put fox on the map as a viable network you know that's the only show that really allowed them to start generating income so that they could be competitive. And I think, I don't remember exactly how many seasons Fox won the ratings, but it was because of American Idol. Like they had never won, they had never been first place for the season before. And, you know, American Idol totally changed their fortunes. So to get rid of it just because it was not what it once was just seems stupid.
0: It does. I mean, look at, in a way it reminds me of Survivor in Mm -hmm. that, like, of course ratings went down for Survivor, but it was still like steady enough to keep on the air.
1: And uh, obviously that was recognized by other networks because as soon as the 15th season ended, NBC and ABC and then Fox (laughs) entered into this bidding (laughs) war for the rights to the show. And NBC, it kind of surprises me that they were so eager to get it because they already had the voice which was doing better than American Idol at that point
0: right and didn't they have
1: have America's Got Talent
0: that's what I was gonna say Mm -hmm.
1: so why they would have needed another show I don't know but they obviously saw value in it and so did ABC because they ended up paying the most for it and that's why season 16 premiered on ABC in March 2018 and one of the big highlights I guess of that reboot if you can even call it that after taking a season off is that the show paid Katy Perry to be their marquee judge an alleged $25 million per season.
0: That's so insane.
1: Which is the highest salary for any judge ever other than Simon Cowell, who was also a producer. It's estimated that Simon was making somewhere in the neighborhood of like $37 million a season toward the end of his tenure. Wow. Katy Perry said in an interview with Howard Stern in July 2020 that the the figures that have been reported may be exaggerated. So let's not swear that it's $25 million. But the earmarked Budget for talent for the reboot was allegedly $50 million. So okay. that's three judges and Ryan Seacrest, who was making about $15 million per season. So that leaves Katy Perry taking half of the budget and two <sighs> other judges splitting $10 million. And one of those judges is Lionel Richie, who is a complete legend. And the other one's Luke Bryan, who but (laughs) nothing against luke Bryan fans but why i just don't understand why abc thought this was a good idea
0: yeah i don't really i don't really get that she's not like lady gaga in that she has like a diehard fan base you know i feel like she's definitely doesn't have a lot of cultural resonance for me but i have like two quick thoughts here one Why didn't American Idol ever do an All-Stars season?
1: I mean, that's a good question. I feel like it...
0: (sighs) I guess the audition process is like a big part of the show, but they could have even done 50-50, like half returning, half new. I feel like seasons like that, at least once or twice you can do them and it will bump ratings a little bit. It could have been interesting.
1: I wonder if they didn't do it because in a way it sort of defeats the goal of the show which is that every person who wins it becomes an automatic superstar
0: i guess you know like but that's clearly like not true
1: right but <laughs> the conceit of the show is that everyone who is on it becomes an international celebrity and if you are having them back to compete against each other to see who is the most popular then it's sort of like why are we cannibalizing ourselves i guess if that makes sense
0: yeah I guess that's true. It just, it surprises me that they didn't even try it because so many other reality shows do that and it's usually fairly successful. Yeah. My other thought though is like, I guess it, it had to just be a money thing, but the show could have just gone to like CMT and just become a more like country focused show. I was thinking about that and I'm I know it's like just money and like the fact that that's not a network, it's cable, but it almost would have made sense for it to go to CMT. Yeah,
1: that's not a bad proposition.
0: Or they could have spun off Country Idol or something like that. I don't know.
1: it, it is an interesting phenomenon, I think, these days that we have all of these reboots or, you know, shows that switch networks or whatever the case might be and Networks just seem to want to pay out the wazoo for these properties that might not do anything for them. you know, like it's it's crazy to think like ABC is willing to spend fifty million dollars on talent for a show that i I mean, I don't know what the going rate for ads would be, but there's no way that the show is generating that much income like to justify that in my mind i like i said i don't know the financials of you know (laughs) what american idol is doing but it just seems like they can't possibly be making money off of it i don't know
0: well i mean that connects to a much larger conversation which is like how is anyone making money in tv these days but (laughs) we won't get into that we don't
1: need to touch on that
0: well i think we can kind of start to get into the impact that the show's had at this point there's I mean, as far as I know, there's not too much to talk about with the reboot.
1: No, there's really not. I had mentioned Gabby Barrett earlier. She's really the only person who's come out of the ABC version of the show who has had any measurable level of success. But the significant impact of the show on the music industry is really seen from the first probably five seasons, I would say, right?
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: The alumni of the show had received between them 54 grammy award nominations and 13 grammy awards by the end of the show in 2016 the end of the fox show important to note that carrie underwood was the winner of seven of those 13 awards but still that's no small feat idol alums had achieved 458 number ones on various billboard charts by 2016 with 100 of those achieved by Kelly Clarkson alone.
0: <laughs> That's so crazy.
1: Idols contestants have sold more than 60 million albums in the US, resulting in more than 80 platinum records and 95 gold records. That's impressive. Like just think of the how much revenue American Idol has generated for the music industry. Yeah. Like I American Idol can't be attributed with saving the music industry. I'm not going to go that far, but it definitely gave it a jolt. I think the peak CD sales for uh, the music industry were, you know, late 90s or early 2000s. And then, you know, we're starting to decrease. I wonder if they would have decreased more without American Idol.
0: They probably would have. I I think that there's something about American Idol. I keep saying the same thing where it's like feels really old school or conservative or maybe it's just like the fan base is of a certain demographic where like they were more inclined to invest in these people directly by buying CDs. I don't know. Yeah. So I think that. Even though the show was a proven success, obviously, with the billboard charts, the record sales, the Grammys, there was still sort of a a little bit of pushback from what I was reading within the music industry, with even like mentors from the show, I think it was Sheryl Crow and Usher were both mentors at one point on the show, and they both critiqued American Idol for its commercialism and then other like industry vets like Elton John criticized the show because it sort of fast tracked contestants to success and even speaking in response to the success that like Carrie Underwood and Kelly Clarkson had all these people were like yeah well i mean they can sell records but like they're still not going to prove themselves until they're like playing in bars and working their way up from the bottom and so it's it's kind of weird it's kind of this old school new school divide or maybe it's just people feeling like these contestants didn't earn their success. But I think that it's interesting to note that the music industry, even if it was helped, and even if these people were successful, still were very critical of that success.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that the show did get such pushback because the fact that these people were making any kind of dent in the music industry at all meant that they were to be taken seriously to a certain extent you couldn't just discount the fact that they were selling records because of the way that they came to prominence and you think about like the way that american idol impacted the music industry how many other television shows have impacted another industry in the way that american idol has
0: the only thing that compares in my mind is top chef Mm. which i don't think you've ever really watched but the 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 contestants from that show have not only gone on to like be on their own cooking TV shows, but have like genuinely created some of like the best restaurants in the country and have won like awards. But that's like a very different field. It's much more behind the scenes Mm -hmm. than like a singing show would be.
1: Yeah, but still, you know, so many people were critical of People who were having success, like, is it just that they were bitter that some of these people were outselling them, or is it that they really didn't think that they deserved it because of a lack of talent? I don't. I. I mean, you can't say that some of these people weren't talented. It's obvious that Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood earned their success because of their talent. In that way, it doesn't matter what avenue they took to the top and it doesn't matter that their success was essentially overnight because they sustained it and you know sure there were a lot of people who kind of had this flash in the pan you think of Clay Aiken and Ruben Studdard and Taylor Hicks who had a a number one album and everything you know these people who have totally faded back into obscurity as far as their music careers are concerned
0: yeah and I mean there's always been one hit wonders Mm -hmm. like it's not like this was a new phenomenon for someone to just like have a a brief as you said flash in the pan success like that's that's been around since like music <laughs> began <Yeah. laughs> like quite literally so i don't know i i think it's weird and it kind of connects i know we wanted to talk about like this was kind of one of the ways in which people without connections to the music industry were able to break through in sort of a pre-social media world. So I feel like there is a, a little bit of a connection there, even in the way that today people view YouTube success stories. They kind of tend to look down on them, even if these people have a huge audience.
1: Yeah. I feel like American Idol sort of hit right at this moment where the world was changing. You know, the way that we consume media was changing. We didn't have YouTube or social media yet at the very beginning of the show, but those things started to come about, you know, in the first several seasons of the show. And American Idol was one of the few ways that people could rise to stardom outside of the traditional record label system. Either way, these people ended up being superstars without having to go through, quote unquote, the right way. And that was just indicative of what it was to come in our world today. A lot of very successful people in the music industry have become that way outside of the traditional record label system. To discount that success just because it's not the way that it always used to be is absolutely ludicrous. I think American Idol was just kind of the beginnings of that shift.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot changed for the record industry over the late 90s, early 2000s and I think that looking back, you can definitely see the ways in which they were resistant to the change that was coming in the world in a very similar way to like print journalism. Mm-hmm. you know I think that a lot of magazines didn't want to acknowledge that things were changing and then it was too late.
1: Yeah, I think that is true.
0: I don't know I I don't want to harp on this for too long but I, I just think it's it's ironic that these people like you know usher, is criticizing this and like when was the last time he had a hit and also then he went on to be a coach on the voice Uh (laughs) so i guess for any amount of money you can eat your words yeah
1: i guess that's true so another impact several alums of the show have gone on to acting careers as well so it was not just the music industry that was impacted like we mentioned earlier from justin to kelly Cinematic masterpiece, (laughs) uh, but most notably, I think, among the actors from the show is Jennifer Hudson, of course, who won her Oscar-winning role in Dreamgirls after being recommended by American Idol vocal coach Deborah Byrd.
0: I did not know that.
1: I did not know that until I was doing research either, and I found that very interesting. So, good on you, Jennifer Hudson.
0: Yes. Is she still acting?
1: She is. She is portraying Aretha Franklin in a biopic that is coming out in, I believe, August 2021. It was supposed to come out last year, but they delayed it because of the pandemic. I'm excited for that because Aretha Franklin handpicked her to portray her before her death. R.I.P. Aretha. Okay. Of course, I think one of the biggest impacts of American Idol within the television industry itself is the number of shows that arose imitating it. (laughs) There are, by latest count, 17 shows on American television that basically copy the exact format of American Idol and that was by 2016 that's just crazy
0: I think that one of the reasons why American Idol became such a cultural phenomenon is that it allowed for viewer engagement in a really different way because of the voting process it allowed viewers to have like a direct impact on the show and I I think that that changed a lot of things. Was it the first show to allow for voter results?
1: I don't know if it was the first. I I would say no because I know that Big Brother, which premiered before American Idol, allowed the public to vote on who was going. Oh to be. yeah. In its first season, the rules were quite different. So the public was deciding who was being uh, eliminated from the Big Brother house, and that was by you know calling in and voting. Okay. So I wouldn't say that American Idol is the first to allow viewers to engage with the show in that way, but it definitely, I think, changed the way that people thought about their favorite shows. You know, it gave them a voice. People wanted to feel like they were having a hand in creating a superstar. You know, they felt like their votes mattered, I think, and that, you know, they were going to have a potential impact. Not just for the show, but afterward, you know, if they're lifting these people up to have a career, then that's cool to think that you were a part of that because of your votes.
0: Yeah, I think American Idol did a good job of creating personal connections Mm -hmm. with the audience, not only like with their storylines involving the contestants, but I think that there was something about that the voting process and creating the next superstar and getting really invested that felt almost like interactive to people. Like, Mm -hmm. even though they weren't necessarily talking to the contestants directly, their vote was like an initiation into conversation. And then the result on the show was sort of their response back in a way like there was a back and forth even if it it's very different than like a conversation but there is like a back and forth there you are getting something in return from your investment of voting and watching the show so i don't know it's fascinating
1: yeah it is
0: I I don't know what made me think about this, but I feel like around the time that American Idol was like very successful, after social media had like sort of come into play, you saw a lot more interaction with fans and TV shows in a way that I feel like was really unique. Like, do you remember how there were so many campaigns to save TV shows in like the mid 2000s where like viewers would kind of like get together online and then send like light bulbs to the studio? Do you remember that? I do
1: remember that.
0: I feel like, I I don't know, it doesn't directly relate to like calling in and voting for American Idol, but I think that things really started to change in the way that people interacted with TV at this point. And I think part of it was shows like American Idol, like voting, having your voice heard. And then part of it was the rise of social media. It kind of made it possible for any TV show to have a social component to it. Like even if you weren't voting, even if you were just like sending light bulbs in or tweeting at an actor from the show, like you were getting more social engagement. Mm -hmm. And it all just sort of like was the snowball effect of like these reality shows and then social media. And like now we're at the point where we're in today where like the lines are very blurry with like audience and show interaction, but.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Before American Idol, I would say, There were shows that people always had to tune in at the same time every week to watch and, you know, they loved the characters or whatever and felt this connection to them, but they didn't, it was always one-sided. You know, it it was the show was coming at you and you couldn't do anything to tell them how much you loved it, (laughs) I guess. And with American Idol, you could have a direct impact on the show and you see the results of your fandom paying off. So I think In that way, it probably did inspire some of these online fan campaigns and this forming of online communities, you know, with different shows, not just reality shows where people had a say in what happened. But it really, I think, did open doors that, you know, have led us to where we are today, where you aren't nothing if your show isn't being constantly tweeted about. So I think now is a good time to broach the subject of, is it possible for a TV show to achieve the kind of cultural ubiquity that American Idol did ever again? Or has the media landscape just changed too much?
0: That's a really good question. I, I'm not sure. I think, oh, I want to hear what you have to say before I say anything. Because I have been like back and forth about this question all week. Mm
1: -hmm. So I will go on record saying that I don't think that any show will quite achieve the level of widespread success that American Idol did. But there are incredibly popular shows still being made today, most of them from streaming services. And I think that the reason those shows don't feel as as impactful, maybe, as American Idol does is because there are so many other options. You know, American Idol aired at a time when cable was exploding, yes, but still, you had the four broadcast networks and you had a few dozen cable alternatives. And most of those cable alternatives weren't really producing their own content at that point. So you were still basically, you know, limited to a few dozen to maybe a hundred different shows that you could choose from. And American Idol just checked enough of everyone's boxes to become a juggernaut. Nowadays, you've got 500 or so scripted television shows in development across dozens of networks and streaming services. And yeah, every now and then one of them strikes gold and really taps into the zeitgeist and becomes that topic of conversation. But Will any of them be able to sustain that in the way that American Idol did? I doubt it. And will any of them ever reach the level that American Idol did in impacting other industries? You know, the way that American Idol has impacted the music industry or generated actors or people who went on to host and do other things. I don't see it happening myself.
0: The thing that I just keep coming back to is that I feel like every... 10 years or so there's another show where we all go is any show ever going to have the impact that this show had like you can say it about American Idol you can say it about Game of Thrones a very different show and like obviously in numbers and viewers and and like They're hard to compare, but I feel like we are always going to have that, or at least I hope that we always have these moments where we're like, wow, nothing's ever going to be like this again. Nothing's ever going to be this popular again, but inevitably like something will, it will just be different. So I guess that's sort of like a political answer to the question.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I think of a lot of the shows that have been those kind of, cultural centerpieces like game of thrones like stranger things maybe like the office has continued to be even though it wasn't when it was on the air like (laughs) nowadays it you know (laughs) has had such an impact afterward you know all of those shows will stand the test of time and will continue to be looked at as important for the television industry but just i mean american idol at its peak was averaging over 30 million viewers a week at a time when most shows were getting maybe 10 Yeah. And now, I mean, it's hard to tell what some of these shows are doing because of streaming services that don't release their numbers. But it seems like the number of other options that people have besides the top 10 on Netflix means that there's not going to be anything that kind of unifies people quite in the same way that American Idol did demographically
0: i don't know if i a hundred percent agree with you i almost feel like this question to me feels very similar to a question i think about all the time which is you know what is the next big trend going to be in music like you know it was rock and roll and then it was like hip-hop like what is going to be next and i just think like at a certain point like Unless you are the person creating the change or the next big thing yourself, like it's impossible to predict. So do I think that it's likely that there will ever be anything like American Idol again? Probably not. But there is so much media now that maybe the next thing that's like American Idol will look very different than American Idol did, if that makes sense.
1: It does make sense. And- i think i can agree with that good yeah <laughs> you better <laughs> and uh, just a reminder if you disagree with anything that we say you're wrong you're wrong yep even if we are contradicting each other even if we disagree with each other we are always right and if you don't get on board with our opinions then have fun drowning <laughs> Okay, one last question, and this one is kind of a doozy, if I may say so myself.
0: It is, and it's a question you came up with.
1: It is, (laughs) and that's why I'm (laughs) comfortable calling it a doozy. But there was just an observation that I had. You know, we've talked about the way that people engaged with American Idol in a way that they hadn't really before with television shows, and the way that that inspired engagement in the decades to come with media of all kinds. I thought... What if it wasn't just media that it caused people to become more engaged with? Did the show perhaps inspire more people to become engaged in their democracy? By casting votes for their favorites on American Idol that could determine their fates and could lead to their success, did Americans who had not become politically engaged before see the power that their votes could have and then become more engaged in political processes and one of the things that might be coincidence but that sort of backs up this claim for me voter turnout in every presidential election since american idol premiered has been higher than for any election in the previous three decades now there have been a lot of efforts to increase voter turnout and, you know, to end voter suppression and all of that. So I'm not saying that American Idol is definitively (laughs) the reason that voter turnout has increased, but I feel like it's worth considering.
0: I thought that this was, like, crazy when I first read it, but then the more that I thought about it, the more that it made so much sense to me. I think that there's something to it. Like, even myself, like, voting, I feel, like, a similar feeling to, like, watching a show like American Idol or another competition-based reality show. Like, I had a really similar experience when I voted most recently. So I think maybe there's something to it. Maybe not only just people realizing their impact, but also realizing that it's kind of fun. Like, (laughs) I think it's possible. I mean, I definitely think, yeah, like there's been a lot of campaigns. Like, I'm sure social media has made an impact. And I mean, this is... Well, I don't want to go there. I kind of do, but (laughs) like if you even look at like what we were talking about earlier, like the conservative nature of like American Idol and like the viewers of the show, maybe being more southern, the contestants of the show, it makes me wonder if like (laughs) Donald Trump's rise could even be connected in a way with like the people that tend to get more engaged, maybe are a more conservative group of people. But that's a much bigger stretch to make, but. Whatever. I said it.
1: You know, I, I will say that that thought had crossed my mind, too. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go there because that I feel like that's too big <laughs> of a conversation that we don't need to have here. But I'm glad that you were thinking the same thing because that <laughs> yes! kind of reinforces it for me. And I mean, that is a conversation we are not going to have. We do not need to get into that. But I do feel like it might hold up under further scrutiny, under you know, actual research into the reasons why people become politically engaged. I don't think anyone would make the direct connection that yeah, I voted on American Idol and it felt great so I went and voted for John (laughs) Kerry for president. (laughs) But maybe that did shift enough gears in people's minds to go huh i voted for carrie underwood on american idol 500 times last night and then she won and that feels good because i really like her and i'm glad that she's gonna have a career now and huh i really like that green party candidate for city council and i'm going to go and vote for them because maybe then they'll have a successful career. I don't feel like it's out of the question to, to suggest that, right?
0: I, I definitely don't think so. Except I think the fact it, that
1: someone who voted for Carrie Underwood might also vote for a green party candidate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think that there is a connection. maybe it's not a direct American Idol connection, but things have shifted in the past 20, 25 years now people are able to engage in such a different way with TV, with everything. Like everything is all about being plugged in and engaged and like present in like social communities online and like the way that things are happening, the way the wheels are turning for everyone now, it's just, I think it all does connect to people also becoming more engaged with voting choices and probably many other aspects of their life as well. Like, I think we're all just interacting in a very different way, because I think we all do feel on some level that we have a bigger voice or a bigger impact on the world, because we are all contributing to media in some way now.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I, I will concede that American Idol is not the only reason for that shift. If it does exist it was it was part of a i think fundamental change in the television industry in the media industry in general the way that people consume media and approach the world because of that changed so much around the time that american idol started becoming popular and has continued to change so much since then so american idol might have been a part of that change for people but you know it's not fair to say that it's the only reason for it, of course. But it. I think it is something worth pondering. You would never think just watching a show like American Idol that it could have the impact that it did on our world. Quite honestly, I don't think that anyone, unless you sit down and think about it, goes, yes, here are all the different places that the show impacted, which we've, you know, sat here and talked about. But as I have said before, TV is a powerful medium. And the right show at the right time can really change people's minds, can really have a significant effect on certain things in our world. And I think American Idol was that show.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's always very interesting to me when I tell people the shows that we're covering and hear their reaction, because at least one of them will hit someone in a way where they will be like, well, how did that show like change things? And then I'm always like, well, actually, <laughs> uh-huh. because I, I, an American Idol is one of them where people would be like, really? And I'm like, yeah, really? Like think about it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, once you take the step back, you can really see the way in which it still resonates throughout our culture.
1: So if you are listening to this and didn't think that American Idol was that impactful of a show, and we've changed your mind over the last however long we've been talking, then you're welcome.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you before we go, I haven't checked in in a while, uh, what are you watching?
1: Uh, you're going to be probably surprised slash proud of me, but I have been watching Sex in the City.
0: Oh my gosh, yay! <laughs> yes, I have
1: never watched it, and we are going to talk about it in an upcoming episode, <laughs> so I figured I better start watching it so I know what I'm talking about.
0: How are you liking it?
1: I'm... Liking it, it's I, I do like it. It's a little bit not totally for me. It's not yeah. the kind of thing that I would typically go for. But I'm in, I think, the middle of the third season right now and definitely enjoying it enough to continue through to the end. But it's, oh, wow. yeah, it's a, a fun journey.
0: <laughs> I think season three might be my favorite. Is that is she dating Aiden?
1: Yes, she's dating Aiden.
0: Oh, and
1: yeah? <laughs> she just ended the affair with big
0: oh my god i i season three is pretty good and I, it's one my favorite se- so far <laughs> there is one season where she's like pregnant in real life oh i think it's season five and they do like they make her wear like you'll just pay attention and <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you will notice it's really funny well that's so cool i can't believe you're watching it
1: yeah i should have told you that before but this was a fun surprise <laughs> that we have on record now um, Yay! so what are you watching
0: so I am still watching bad reality show. I just finished season one of Flavor of Love.
1: Oh, uh, Flavor of Love!
0: I oh my
1: god, uh, that was my middle school life. Uh, well, I think really? into high school too. I could not get enough of Flavor of Love. Back oh my in the day. god, I
0: love New. I'm gonna watch. I love New York. Uh, at some point because like she's awesome there is a contestant on it named goldie who i remember who is goldie. Like, she is like the most genuine person i've ever seen on yes, a reality tv show it
1: was very sweet i remember um, and, until she, I don't know if you're planning on watching Charm School.
0: Oh, I'm going to. Oh, you better.
1: But if you watch the Charm School reunion, they, they make a big deal about the fact that Goldie was going to go on tour with Monique first to do stand-up because Goldie wanted to be a stand-up comedian. But then she did a joke about Monique, and Monique wouldn't take her on tour anymore.
0: Oh my God, that's so sad.
1: <laughs> it is. But anyway, you'll get to wow. that. And that was before Monique won the Oscar for Precious, tying that back to earlier in the conversation <laughs> when we talked about we've, watching that. Full circle. Tr-
0: yes, truly come full circle. And I I feel like this that's a good note to end on. That is
1: a great note to end on. So thank you so much for listening. If you are still listening, we appreciate you. And this has been Televisionary. I assume you remembered that. I'm Cody.
0: <laughs> I'm Elena. And... Thank Thanks you for goodbye. listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye!